Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. So good to be back with you on this podcast. I want to talk to you on this podcast about a question that was asked that actually came in through my family. And it was asked about these personality tests that are going around and my opinion on those. It's kind of been a buzz that's been going around about, you know, the Enneagram test and the Myers-Briggs test. You've been out for years and some of these things. And I want to talk to you about the positives and the negatives of these, because I think there's on both sides things to be discussed that can be positive and also negative about these. But also, I want to encourage you to go to our website and fill out any question of a topic you would like to have asked or discussed. And I'd also like to encourage you, if you don't go to our website, to go to our Facebook page. You can message me through that. I'll receive that. And I do have a couple other topics that I'm going to discuss, but I'm waiting on a later date to do so. But on these personality tests, uh, these are kind of a resurfacing, you know, it seems to me like they resurface and, you know, I've seen them resurface a couple different times in the past 10 years. And I work with a lot of people as I counsel people and speak with people on a personal basis. I know a lot of people have taken some of these personality tests. You know, there's employers that actually require these tests. These, I like to call them assessments. I keep saying tests, but they're more of an assessment. A test kind of gives you the implication that it's a pass or fail, but that they take these assessments and they kind of come up with an idea whether or not to hire someone. So there's some people that give great amount of latitude to these. They give a great amount of consideration when it comes to these personality tests. But what they are, basically, it takes a snapshot of who your character is. And it takes an eye, it gives you an idea and it kind of gives you a number. You know, you'll be on the Enneagram test, you'll be at one through a nine with a wingspan of two. So basically, you know, it's, it's they're pretty general. Uh, and first of all, I want to say that they're kind of a general idea. It's not an exact science, but it will. I've, I've noticed I've taken the Enneagram test. I've also taken in the 16 personality test, which is a spinoff from the Myers-Briggs test. Many psychologists and employers, they would give the Myers-Briggs test, and that was one of the ones, and it would give you, instead of a one through a nine with just two, picking two basic personality traits, the Myers-Briggs would give you four or five numbers, uh, and it would give you the first one being the strongest one, and then it would explain down the line of what you are, whether you're more passive, whether you're more aggressive, whether you're more a leader, more of a, a server, a helper, a follower. And you know, also, we kind of got to include in there these spiritual assessments. I've taken several spiritual assessments and of what my spiritual gifts are. But these things that, you know, I see, first of all, I want to talk about the positives that, of these personality tests. When you take them, first of all, I do think that it helps you know yourself. And to me, that's bizarre that we are in a day and an age that we have to know ourselves better. But especially when we're younger and we're figuring out who we are, it's harder to see ourselves. But as we get older, you kind of know, you know, you're very aware of your weakness and you're very aware of your strengths. As you're younger, I can see where these can be helpful. I do see people that have such a hard time being objective. And what I mean about that is, is it's always subjective. I, I feel this. I see this. I have this. So it's always subject. Instead of like getting on the outside and looking in, it's hard sometimes for people to be able to know themselves. You would think they're in their own body, in their own mind. They would know themselves. But I do think sometimes it's difficult for people, for whatever reason, to be able to to know theirself and these personality assessments, if you will, they give you kind of an idea of your strengths and sometimes your weaknesses. But so I think that can be a positive thing. You know, I know people in the Christian church is bizarre, but that don't even like the word psychology, you know, that scares them. I don't want any secular psychology. Well, secular psychology is one thing, but psychology is another thing. Psychology is just the study of the mind or the behavior. And that's really what some of these assessments do. They give you a study of the behavior. And I think it's, 
it's silly to call these things witchcraft and, you know, it's the devil's work. You know, you're trying to look too deep into your soul. I mean, that's just not right. That's just going to the other ditch. I don't think these things need to hold precedence over every other thing. And obviously, the Bible and the Word of God is our greatest look into what we should study in our theology. But knowing ourselves can be helpful. Study the mind. Study the behavior. Study who you are. But also a positive trait would be, you know, it helps you understand how others think. I've seen this helpful in teams. If I can understand, you know, the Gary Smalley, the spinoff of this, you know, Myers-Briggs or Enneagram test, you know, it says he is, he's a Christian. And, you know, he says there's a lion, a bear, an otter. And, and if you can understand an otter, you know, they like to just play all the time and kind of goof around. They're not very mission-minded. They kind of just throw things together. I mean, I, I know people on my teams that I've worked with, and when I understand they're an otter, they're not a lion. They're not going to take things aggressively. They're not going to be domineering. They're just going to kind of be passive and whatever. But I've seen where God uses otters just like he does lions. You know, I've seen and I've learned to appreciate them once I understand them. You know, it doesn't mean they're they're lazy or they're slothful. They just like to play. They just like to have fun. And I've seen where this was taught even in a youth seminar, this Gary Smalley test, and or excuse me, the Gary Smalley assessment. Um, and so I, I've kind of seen where I can understand people. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think we need to see diversity. And I think we just need to keep remembering when we do these assessments and see them that, you know, God uses all people. And not everybody has to think like me. I think that's a good thing. I think when we see other people that they're different and that God still loves them and they're still Christians, not everybody has to think like us. You know, that's part of spiritual maturity. You know, loving people in spite of themselves. You know, allowing people close to you that don't think just like. I thank God that we have people that are more joyful and more playful and more, you know, easygoing. I'm personally, uh, hope to like to think I have joy, but I'm kind of more of a mission minded. You know, show me the mission. Let's tackle this. Let's do this. But that doesn't mean that we don't need, I mean, it'd be a boring place if everybody walked around all the time trying to figure out how to do something better or quicker. And, you know, all they talked about was facts. You know, I like someone to tell a joke every once in a while. I'm just not good at telling them, you know, and so that helps me understand people for who they are and appreciate them. And, you know, I, I do also see another positive is I see an overwhelming number of people sometimes that have a real hard time seeing their blindnesses, seeing the things that they do. You know, they have like this biz- this bizarre, fictional imagination of who they are. And I'm like, that doesn't really sound like you when you're saying you're this and you're that and your strengths are here. I, I you know, I don't see that. So maybe, maybe it can be good if we take some of these, you know, the 16 personality tests, I did take it. It was free. That's one thing I liked about it. The Enneagram test, it was free, the one that I took. And of course, the 16 personality test, you take it and it tries to get you to buy a book if you really want to learn. You know, I found out in that 16 personality test, you know, that said that I was like an architect, you know, and it gave me two people that it compared me to. I didn't know them. They're probably famous people, but I'm not up on all that. But anyway, it says I kind of think like that. But be careful because these things are still general. Like it wasn't a perfect fit for me. I saw things in the question. I didn't really know even how to answer the question. It asked me questions. I'm like, you know, whenever you get into a crowd of people, do you tend to go to the crowd or do you tend to go and seclude yourself with two or three people? And I'm like, well, hmm, depends on how I'm feeling that day. Are we at a church service? 
or are we at some just big open public place? It does depend on where I am, and it doesn't ask that question. So I do see sometimes myself in these assessments, I had a hard time answering because it didn't ask enough details. And also, most of them are pretty secular indeed. Uh, their roots are. So it doesn't ask you things about, you know, are you born again? You know, what are your spiritual gifts? I haven't found one yet out there. I hope someday there is. But I saw a lot of things on the 16 personality test that I thought, you know, I used to be like that. You know, it asked me the question. It said, do you try to step on other people to get your way? And is that okay? Well, when I was in the world before I got saved, yeah. But I hope to shout I've learned from then. I hope to shout I've repented from that. And I hope to shout that I've changed and I want my brother to succeed and I don't try to step on people. I, I live a life of trying to be have integrity and fairness. And I want to help promote my brother, you know, and I want to see his needs before I see my own needs. So, you know, there are some things that it's limited to. Uh, verse first. First of all, the precaution I want to, for you to have when taking these assessments is, is that remember, the greatest person to compare yourself to is Jesus. You know, you can compare yourself to other people, but the Apostle Paul dealt with this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He said, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with someone that commend themselves, or basically someone that's prideful, but they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. And he's talking about someone with an inflated self-worth or someone, you know, that can compares themselves to be something good. And then verse 18, he says, not that he hath commended himself is approved, but whom the Lord commended. So I think it's important that we find our strengths in what God calls us to do and what his mission is for us. For instance, sometimes God calls a person that may be called a lion or maybe called a very motivated, very precise thinker to be more passive in a certain situation. Remember what the Apostle Paul said? He said, I become all things to all men that I may save some. Sometimes God asks me to be more passive, and sometimes I want to be aggressive. I want to be able to help people. I want to be able to jump in there, put my arms around them, and save them from something. But God has told me before, this is not your burden to bear. You need to let this go. You know, I can't help everyone everyone, you know, and so through the power of the Holy Spirit, God sometimes wants me to be aggressive, and then sometimes God asks me to be passive. Sometimes I open my mouth, and sometimes I bite my tongue, and those things are important that we listen to God and the Spirit, that not that we pigeonhole ourselves. I think these things can kind of pigeonhole us to the idea that we always have to be passive, or we always have to be aggressive, and I think that's just something we need to be careful of, because if we listen to the Spirit of God, you know, the Apostle Paul at times, Jesus himself, at times, he spoke up and he called the Pharisees a den of whitewashed tombs. He said, you're a bunch of hypocrites. And then he turned around when they were going to stone the lady and they were going to stone the person that was caught in adultery. And he drew on the ground as they were talking and he didn't say hardly a word. And then they looked at him and he said, he who hath without sin cast the first stone. And then he looks the lady down on the ground, down where she was. And he says, where art thou accusers? And he says, go and sin no more. So we see him screaming, you know, you're a den of whitewashed tomb. We see him turning tables over in the temple saying, you made my father's house a den of thieves. And then we see him drawing on the ground to why? Because the woman was under such 
condemnation already. He didn't need to scream at her. But the Pharisees, in their righteous indignation, and they thought they were so spiritual, he had to, you know, basically get in their face and tell them, you know, and and stand toe-to-toe with them. So, see, we see Jesus is not stuck and pegged to this certain personality. I know that Jesus, some people think that Jesus, because he was meek, he was weak. No, he was meek and he was lowly at heart, but he was far from weak. He was the most powerful man that ever lived on this earth. Just because he went to a cross and died and he gave himself over to the will of God doesn't mean that he couldn't have sent legions and legions of angels to destroy the entire world. He could have commanded the angels, but he didn't because he fell into the Father's will. And that's my goal as a Christian. I want to fall into whatever God wants me to do. And not saying these these assessments assume that we shouldn't, but I just see a lacking of the spiritual content in most of these uh, assessments that I've mentioned. Of course, there's many others. You may have taken some, but just be careful about not pigeonholing people and labeling people quickly. You know, I learned that whenever we start going through the basic types of codependency and attachment styles whenever I was in school. And it basically, I started ta- thinking about people as I was meeting with people. We had to have practicum hours. So we had to spend hours and hours of meeting with people. And I mean, just right off the bat, the first year we start, I started meeting with different clients and people. And I started noticing myself thinking, okay, well, they're passive, they're aggressive, you know, they're codependent in this area, they're codependent, and and we had Bible types. So I was constantly trying to fit them in the mold. Uh, For instance, one of them was Jonah. That's a Bible type, you know, running from God, basically not taking care of what needs to be. You know, Jonah at one time was suicidal. You know, they wanted to, basically he says, throw me overboard. I mean, he was going to be plummeted to his death. And and so we'd think about Jonah, you know, Tamar was another Bible model. Solomon was another Bible model. King Saul was an abuser. You know, if you if you're abusive and are in a relationship that that you're aggressive and abusive, that's what King Saul was. Remember, King Saul tried to abuse David. Sarah was another codependency type. And there were six main types. So we kind of did this. So I can't say these are all evil because it was a little different, but I was constantly trying to find what Bible model that people fell into. And there's nothing wrong with that because I think that if we see a Bible model, when we result to the flesh, we know we always result back to. And that helped me. But the negative part of that was I did unconsciously until I realized it one day is that I was trying to put people in these certain models and it kind of dehumanized them. Now, I still do that. I still will talk to someone and say, you know, let's go to the scripture and I'll tell them to read Solomon. I'll tell them to read about King Saul and those things because I think it's important that we learn the scripture and learn that there are people in the Bible that failed a lot but God still loved them, you know? And so I like to, but I like to say it this way. This is who we are if we result back to the flesh. See, character and personality can change over time. Praise God. We're not stuck with who we are. You know, that's, that's kind of a trap if you're not careful. That's one of these, I want you to be precautionary about these assessments because I've also heard people say, well, he's a right brain thinker. He's a left brain thinker. They're a feeler, you know, they're a thinker. And, and those things can be true, but I'm not stuck just being a thinker that thinks and has all these positives and negatives and, you know, these outlines and these blueprints. And no, I pray by the power of God that if I am a thinker, I can also bear one another's burdens, as the Bible says that I should, that I can have compassion and empathy through the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't think I'm stuck in that. I kind of quit calling people codependent even because I found myself dehumanizing them. You know, that's what Hitler did. Hitler said, you know, they were rats. You know, I'm just going to kill all the rats. That's basically what Hitler said. And and so he dehumanized people. And sometimes these personality, if we're not careful, if we only think one dimensional, this person's this, this 
this person's this, this person's this. Well, let me tell you what they are. They're not just this category, this lion, this otter, this inventor, whatever your person as you're not just a one or a two or a nine this is a human being this is a person with needs and wants and we have common ground at the foot of the cross and i thank god that he made it level to where he said who the son is set free is free indeed he has set us free from death hell and the grave and he set us free from being pigeonholed into this person that we're stuck with and there's no changing you know i have a hard time with people when I say pigeonhole, let me explain that. We try to take complicated people that are very complicated. People aren't as simple as I think we oversimplify people and we pigeonhole them. And we put them in this place to say, well, this is how they are. Well, that's not necessarily true. We haven't walked a mile in their moccasins. We don't know what they've been through. You know, my mom used to say that we haven't walked a mile in their moccasins. You know, we don't know what they've been through. We don't know what their life's been like, but also just we sometimes the, normally the more I spend time I'm with someone, the more I know them, the more I understand them, the more I like them. And we can be quick to pass judgment or to pigeonhole people. I know people do it all the time. And I think this idea of saying people are too simple is dangerous. I'm not saying that's exactly what all these personality tests do, but I'm saying if we're not careful, we'll be pulled into that idea that people are simple. I cannot. It, it's one of my pet peeves is when people say, oh, it's just this simple, this, this, and this. Well, really, is it that simple? I think it was that simple. Most people have enough common sense. They would go ahead and just change and do something different. But it's not that simple. People are complicated. We have hurts, habits, hangups. We have things. We have personality traits. We have families of origins. We have loss. We have tragedy. We have, you know, what is really going on with people? Sometimes people aren't who they want to be. They're someone opposed to who they want to be because they're trapped and they have these roadblocks. And that's why we need Christian counseling. That's why we need the church. That's why we need Jesus to bring him into freedom of spirit and wholeness through Christ. That's what the word salvation means sozo to be made whole god makes us whole through christ and i'm so encouraged that god doesn't label us manic depressant god doesn't label us bipolar god doesn't label us you know aggressive or just passive but god says we're fearfully and wonderfully made and he says in jeremiah before i formed you i knew you before i formed you i was intimate with you because i'm your maker and by the way do you know one of the greatest personalities we have is we were made in the likeness of God. In his likeness, he created us like him. God was a, is a triune being. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He made us a triune. He made us mind, body, and soul. And don't forget, that's who we are. We're children of the living God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're made in his likeness. And I do not mind knowing who I am. I do not mind seeing what my character trait is. But I'll tell you, friends, character changes over time. God's character never changes. God doesn't have a character, but God is a being. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I will not be bound to who I am, but I'm going to be changed. I'm going to be changed to be more like Jesus, more like Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the relationships in the church, through the things God's placed here to change me in this old broken down world. Friends, I hope this has been good for you. I know it could have been much more extensive and we could have talked about some other assessments. I just kind of briefly talked about some of the ones that I knew better. And I encourage you to keep praying. Keep seeking the Lord. Keep finding out what his mission is for you because there's great, great fulfillment 
in knowing that God has a purpose for us. It's not just who I am, but what purpose do I have? That's It sums up to that, brothers and sisters. What is our purpose? What are we here for? The world's dying because they have no purpose. You can work all the hours you want and still be as lost as a toad in a hailstorm. You can still be without purpose. You know, I was listening the other day on the radio, and Ravi Zacharias said that he got a call and got invited him and his colleagues to speak to a gentleman at a convention that they were having. And this gentleman was the top five richest people in the world. And they gave a hundred billion dollars in cash for some property over in China. And he said, what was, why did you invite me? Ravi asked the man, he said, why did you invite us to come talk to you? What, what was your experience? When did you become a Christian? He said, one day I went to the top of a skyscraper that I owned and I looked down over the city after one of the greatest accomplishments of my life. And he said, my life is empty. I have no purpose. Then he called his wife and his wife said to him, my, my life is empty, honey, and I don't have purpose either. I'm dying on the inside. And they said, what should we do? And his wife said to him, let's go to church. I know a church. They rent out one of our facilities and our buildings and we'll have free parking. So they went and they got right with God. That was the beginning of his spiritual journey. And it changed his life forever. Friends, money, fame, personality, who you are, that can't change you. But by the power of God, we can be changed. That gives us hope. That gives us a future. That gives us a place to reach for. You know, I'll be forever dying and still trying to be more like Christ every day. Not limited to who I am, not pigeonholed to some idea of who I am or or who I naturally am, but I want to spend time focusing on the supernatural and who God's called me to be. Friends, I hope this has been good for you. Take some assessments, see what you think, see how accurate they are. You're welcome to comment on these. You can get in Podbean. You can comment on every one of these podcasts. You can comment there what you think. And hey, I'm not against someone disagreeing with me. So you can send me in your comments, even if they're negative. Hey, I'm a big boy. I can handle it. Friends, hope it's been good. God bless you. Until next time, God bless.